This program is sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries. This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Send me. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Hey, Mike Janung here. Welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Thank you for joining us. Last week, we talked with Jennifer Fiesefeld. She called in from Stuttgart, Germany, and we talked about sex trafficking and prostitution and what those women go through. And with legalized prostitution, Germany is sometimes referred to as the bordello of Europe. And Germany has an estimated 400,000 prostitutes that are visited by 1.2 million men a day. And there are more than 3,000 brothels across the country, 500 in Berlin alone. So you can catch the first broadcast on our website at blazinggrace.org or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So Jennifer Fiesefeld, she's originally from California and has been living in Stuttgart, Germany the last 15 years. She's a missionary with Kainos, a Christian nonprofit whose goal is to bring freedom and new life to victims of trafficking and sexual exploitation. She is the program lead supporting each ministry area in prevention, intervention, and the restorative program, New Beginnings. Jennifer, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. So last week, where we left off, is you talked about the urgent need to deal, to face, get into prevented work, meaning the men who are going in to these prostitutes there in Germany. One, 1.2 million a day is just boggles my mind. And as, I, as you were sharing, <clears throat> the thought occurred to me is you can change the word prostitution to pornography and you could still have the exact same effect because every time somebody looks at pornography, they're basically creating a demand for that product and the people who are making pornographic films and we've talked with ex-porn actresses and actors, those lives are being destroyed right there as they make those movies. And most of them are drunk or stoned out of their mind. There's physical tearing. It's a very traumatic experience for those who make that product. So I want to bore into a little bit bit about preventive action and beginning with the church. So when you have a church where 70% of the men are viewing pornography, that feeds sex trafficking. And I know from experience, because I did this years ago, there are going to be some Christian men who are visiting prostitutes as well. So, Jen, what goes through your mind when you hear all this? Oh, it's really tough, (laughs) isn't it? Because... uh We're going in and visiting women, and we want to offer them hope 
and life and Christ and freedom and you know they those who exit then of course we want them to come to church with us and what happens when they meet their customers in our churches mm. you know um it's you you really want that if we're going in and we we're offering um this redemptive message that you want them to come to church and to re- be received, you know, and not judged. Um, and we've had the same for some of our volunteers when they have asked, oof, I don't want to volunteer in my town because what happens if I go into a brothel and I see somebody that I know as in a man who's who's in the room? And it makes it a bit tricky. Um, And I would have to say, where we're, a place we are coming to in Kainos, not only um, to do prevention work and and raise awareness about sex trafficking, but we want to raise awareness, um, and more than raising awareness, I guess the better word is to equip. We want to equip youth and um, people within the church, men and women, about um, pornography. Not that they would go do it. That's not what I mean, to equip them to do it, but to equip them with God's word of how to fight this. That, you know, Paul says that we are no longer slaves to our sin. And pornography is almost like an attack on our society because it is out there everywhere. It is so easy to get to it, so easy to find it. You know, you misspell something in a Google search and images pop up and all of a sudden you're looking at something that you didn't want to look at. And how many stories do you hear um, of people who share, oh man, yeah, I... I was searching online or I walked in and I saw this and then that was the beginning of their addiction, right? Um, The hardest part is when we're looking at the church, um, it oftentimes isn't a safe place for people to be honest about their struggles, their habits, their hiccups, their hang-ups. I like how they call that and celebrate recovery and and we stuff it down because we want to come to church and be good um, so we don't talk about our problems or our addictions um, and when we don't talk about it then it, you know or we don't confess it then then you don't get to the place of healing um, and for me being in Kainos um, having three boys I think that's what that's what really got me is when I had boys, I all of a sudden started to have empathy for men. Because, see, when you start working with women and you hear all of the horror stories that they go through and what men have done to them, if you're not careful, bitterness starts to creep in and hate starts to creep in. Um, and God totally confronted me with my bitterness towards men once I had my kids. And as my boys 
grew up and they started going to school, I thought, you know what, I want to be a mom who they can tell anything to. Because when Jesus says he forgives us, he forgives us completely. So I don't want my kids to be ashamed to tell me anything. Because I want to be able to point them back to Jesus, right? I want to have open, honest conversations. And I want to equip my kids. I want to give them like the shield of faith. And I want to give them the sword of spirit so they know how to interact with what's coming at them. You know, and and it doesn't take long here in Germany. My kids were in third and second grade when they came home and shared about an experience at school that happened between another little girl and a boy on the playground. And I was shocked because they were talking about how this boy had touched the girl and that she liked it. And they were so confused. And I was shocked and thankful at the same time. Shocked that my boys saw that. um, But thankful that my boys could come and be honest with me. And we sat and we had an honest conversation about what they saw, that it wasn't good and that we don't touch people that way. And um, oftentimes people smile and pretend when they're hurting inside. So it opened a conversation. And then, you know, my kids, they grew up a few more years and my one son came to me. He was eight years old and he said, Mama, um, well, he asked me a question. He wanted to know how did, uh, in what position do we have sex? And I played a little dumb um, and said, oh, no, there's only one way. And what do you mean? And anyways, it came out that he'd seen pornography at a friend's house. The friend has an older brother. There were magazines. But my boy was able to talk to me about it. And we had an honest conversation because... He was so afraid to talk to me. He had to put the blanket over his head when he was talking to me. And I could tell him, like, look, that's Jesus in you telling you and showing you that wasn't good what you saw. If it was okay what you saw, then you could talk to me at the kitchen table. But you needed to go and cover your face because you were ashamed. And we had this conversation. And that's where my heart is. I wish that we could have these open conversations because Jesus didn't hide from these topics, right? He came into the world and he says in the Sermon on the Mount, if your eye causes you to lust, pluck it out. Like if you're looking at a woman and it causes you to, to lust, pluck it out. He takes our sin seriously, but he deals with us in a gracious, loving way not condemning us. Mm. And so this is what I I want for us in our church communities as parents to be able to teach our kids what is right and wrong and to show them in a loving way how do we work and operate in this world because pornography is going to come, images are going to come, temptations are going to come, It's going to be there, but are we having open, honest conversations and pointing our kids back to Jesus? Or are we like, oh, we don't talk about that, or oh, no, 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 and we're pushing it down? Because if we start having open conversations when they're younger, when something does happen, there's trust, they've experienced love and mercy and grace, 
so that they can come and confess a sin later. Mm. You know, that's that's what I would want, that we have these communities um, in our churches where people can share openly and honestly, not that we stay stuck, you know, and and talking about this reoccurring sin and almost like a bunch of mommies getting together complaining about their kids. You know, you're like, oh, no, we don't want to complain about our kids. We don't want to just talk about it and become numb and like, oh, it will never go away. It's every man's sin. It's every woman's problem. But really going and leaning into Jesus because we want to experience what he promised, that he would free us from our sin natures, that he, his grace is enough that he meets us, that he satisfies our every desire. So I know it. let me ask, oh, yeah. are churches yeah. talking openly about sexual issues, pornography, masturbation, prostitution there in Germany? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, no. I could say that again. Actually, it's been a long time prayer, and I got so frustrated because for me as a Christian, I thought this is the first place that we would take the message um, and say, hey, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's get honest. Um, and usually uh, in the past when I've been going to churches, it's like, oh, you can talk to a women's group or there's the prayer ministry. Um, it's really hard, really, really hard. Uh, and this is something that we've been praying for a long time. But actually, what I want to share is that um, in the last year, there are three Christian nonprofit organizations in Stuttgart, and we came together and said, man, we got to work together. And we started praying for one another, for the Stuttgart area. And there's actually a network of churches called Together for Stuttgart. Um, and they meet regularly for breakfast and prayer and wanting to support each other. Um, and we've been invited to have a working group within this church network. That's huge. That's huge. They've invited us to come in, and they know the work we do, and they know the message that we have. And this is the first time. Normally, if somebody, if a church asks, then they just ask us to do awareness, like tell us the problem of sex trafficking, you know. And so we go because we want people to know because people generally assume that it's all choice because it's legal here. Um. So with, with with the culture there and with you're surrounded by prostitution, what's your take on why a church would not address that issue openly from the pulpit or isn't? Um, oh, well, I don't know. I'm not a pastor, but um, I would think that uh, it's easier to talk about evangelism and discipleship um, and maybe not go into the specifics of discipleship, you know, um, or addressing um, 
sexuality. I just I haven't seen it, and probably we're going to step on too many toes, you know. Um, and it's it is tough, and it's touched pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know why the topic is not preached. Um, I know that a lot of people are hurting. I know that marriages are suffering. I know that um, that people really do have addictions, and that is not to exclude church leadership from these addictions. Um, but I don't know um, if people just don't want to deal with it, or... Um, if they're more experienced and they understand the can of worms that are going to be unleashed. Um, I think for me, I would love to see, as churches do, either you know Bible study groups or accountability groups, but there would be some kind of ministry in the church that would be some kind of freedom ministry or celebrate recovery ministry because we want to take it seriously. Like, it's out there. It's everywhere. Um, so we don't need to be afraid of it, you know. We can we can go head on because we have everything in God's Word to help us overcome, right? And what we leave in the dark just grows and festers, but what we bring into the light then Again, we can look at this way of God washing us and cleansing us. There's a process. Um, Mm. So for me, I I would love to see, you know, something reoccurring in youth groups, if it was even annually, for youth groups to go over this topic. I mean, I, I remember when I was young and going to a conference and it was all about purity. And purity is good. You know, God loves the pure heart. Um, but I'd also love us to to be real and honest. Um, we desire purity, and yet we stumble and fall. And where's the process of, of growth? You know, who's going to mentor you? Who's going to guide you? Who's going to help you? Um, who's going to have these honest conversations? And Jesus has honest conversations, so I think we can too. But... Probably not in a big public sense, right? You're confessing your sins one to another. You address people one-on-one, and God gives us lots of examples of how to do this. So I don't want people to, you know, go and tell the whole world or their whole church about what they're struggling with, but there's a place and a group. And I think um, when we... When we as a church say, okay, I want to get real and honest with Jesus because, hey, guess what? He knows all my thoughts before I think them. He knows the words before I say them. He's with me everywhere. So there's nothing hidden from him. So what if I got real with him? And what if I shared with the next person, hey, this is what I'm struggling with and this is where I need to experience Jesus breaking of my addiction or my bad habit, whatever you want to call it. And would you partner with me, help keep me accountable? I mean, how cool is that? Mm. And you know what? When we start doing that, then our churches are going to become safe places for women who exit prostitution because we as a church 
are dealing with our sin. We're not trying to sweep it under the carpet, but we're going to Jesus and we're being real with him and he's transforming us into his likeness so that when a woman who's exited prostitution and she doesn't know how to talk or dress or whatever to fit in a church setting, she's not judged, but she's been shown mercy and people come to her and like, hey, you know what? I'm going to mentor you. I'm not going to judge you, but I'm going to come alongside you and point you to Jesus every step of the way because he's transformed my life. You bring a good point up because just this last week um, here, a, a woman came out who was a tat- tattoo artist and in the occult. She came out of it, accepted Christ, was just baptized, and she was getting flamed publicly for how she dressed by Christians. So what you say about the church not always being a safe place to share is right on the money, and I think that goes some of it to our pride. So I want to go back to bitterness for a moment because that has a lot of implications here and everywhere. So, you know, when a woman discovers her, a married, a wife discovers her husband has been doing porn, uh, there can be some bitterness there towards God and her husband if she finds out 20, 30, 40 years down the line that this is what, how come I didn't know? This is what I've ended up with. Why am I, why am I just finding this out now? And why haven't you gotten help? And all the things that go with that. And so, and then some women are coming out here publicly talking about the sexual abuse in the church and how oftentimes it's suppressed. So there's anger and there's, well, trauma that needs to be healed and sometimes bitterness there. So with what you went through, was it a general bitterness towards all men, even Christian men or a bunch of, I'm going to use the word perverts? <laughs> and, and how did you come to a place of walking and release from that? Um, so I had friends or people close to me who have been hurt in different ways. Either their husband was addicted to porn or um, they found out the person they're dating was married and they're pregnant and now that person doesn't even want them anymore. There's just different friends I've had over the years who've had different experiences of incredible betrayal and disappointment that is tied up to sexual sin. And yeah, that creeps in. And I think for me, I would call myself um, like a super woman. I had put a big cage around my heart. Men can't hurt me. I've seen men hurt other people. And even when I was engaged to my husband, I told him, if you ever have an affair, if you ever do this, if you ever do that, I'm out. Jesus forgives you. I forgive you. But... I'm gone. I, if we have kids, I'm taking them and I'm gone because you, like, don't hurt me like that. <laughs> and he looked at me like, wow, uh, okay. I don't plan on doing that. <laughs> um, and I realized over time, well, one, you know, we got married and I had three boys. 
And when they were little, it's it's really God, you know. He puts it on my mind, and I'm looking at my boys and realizing, you know what, all men are born babies. And they are shaped just like women are shaped. Just so you know, we have a minute left. We have a minute left. Okay. And they need grace and forgiveness. And if you don't forgive, um, then you have not experienced God's forgiveness. Mm. If you promise it to women who've been abused that God forgives them, but you don't forgive the abuser, how does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, God forgave the prisoner next to him or the thief next to him on the cross. It's not because that guy was good. He did some bad stuff and God forgave him. And he worked on my heart and showed me, Jen, if you don't forgive, then you're not experiencing my forgiveness. Well, Jen, thank you very much. We are out of time, but this has been wonderful. Thank you for your honesty, and thank you, my friends, for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144. This program was sponsored by Blazing Grace Ministries.